James is just unfazed. Guy was doing his 2020. I was standing on a chair right next to him. A lot of pressure. He was holding the chair so it didn't slip out from underneath me. And uh, he just powered through. What a wonderful job by him. Very proud. Very, very proud. I was basically, I was trying to get the uh, Women's World Cup on the TV in here. We got one TV on the Guardians, of course, and the other one we wanted to get this Women's World Cup game. So we got that taken care of. Good for the rest of the night now in studio. Women lead, by the way, 1-0 over Vietnam. Guardians lead 6-2. And without further ado, we go out back to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. She's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. She is joining us while on vacation, which truly makes her a saint for giving us some time out of her vacation to talk some football. She's trying to be away from football. I'm making her think about football. Samantha, can't thank you enough for jumping on with me. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Only for you, Spencer. How are you? <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm good. I, I had a nice little vacation of my own last week. I'm back, and summer's already over because training camp's here. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ready for the Greenbrier tomorrow. Everyone's all revved up and ready to go here in Cleveland. So um, let's start, I guess, with the Browns because um, obviously the Browns are – Getting set to open things up along with the Jets this weekend as the first two teams getting ready for that Hall of Fame game. I I I don't know that there's any like major storylines in terms of position battles with this Browns team. Um, but what's your read? Because this whole week I've been seeing report after report about these analytics and these computers running the numbers on the AFC North and how it's gonna shake out and how the Browns are pretty close to all these teams. And that maybe all the teams in the division actually finished with a, above 500 and with a winning record. It seems very preposterous that that would actually happen. But what is your read going into training camp and, and the regular season just on this division? Like, how are we supposed to sort of understand how this thing will shake out with four really good teams in it? Well, I mean, this is historically, or at least in recent history, been kind of like a chaos division, right? So Fair. I'm not sure, you know, whatever analytics you can put out there on this and says they're all really close. It's like, well, yeah, but this is because so much weird stuff happens in this division. But <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know that I think they're really all that close. And I definitely think it's a stretch to say all four of them will finish above 500, maybe three of them. I mean, who knows? You know, bizarre things happen, of course. But at this point in time, I... IC2, I think, will definitely finish above 500, comfortably so. One that probably will and one that I, I have my doubts about. I'm sure you can guess which one that is. Yes. Yeah, no, I I, I see where you're going with this. Um, well, I, I did want to ask you, actually, about the white helmet release this week because it was a topic of conversation, of course, here in Cleveland that sparked some debate as well. What was your thoughts on the Browns' new white helmet look? I love them. Um, I'm like strangely drawn to the white helmet, which is like weird. I was saying on Twitter, I'm like not a person who wears a lot of white or likes white furniture or white anything, but like, I love the white helmets. I like the Bengals white helmets. I mean, I know where we're going with this, of course, with the Bengals and the Browns, but like, I love these. I think they're really sharp. Yeah. And so that it segues nicely because we talk about the division being very close and, you know, where these teams kind of stack up in general and how good it is. And at the top of it, of course, the defending champs back-to-back years in the in the Bengals, who made a Super Bowl run not too long ago as well. 
They're all of a sudden out here claiming that the Browns stole their look with the white helmets. But of course, as we know, the Bengals quite literally stole everything about the Browns organization when they set up shop down in Cincinnati. Um, Here's the thing. I... It's, it's definitely silly for the Bengals to claim that the Browns stole anything from Cincinnati. But I do think on some level, especially in a year where we're talking about this division being so competitive, I love this going into the season because I think it spices up a rivalry that maybe hasn't been quite as, as, as fiery in recent years. We know how much this city doesn't like Pittsburgh. We know there's some animosity, obviously, with Baltimore as well because they truly did steal your team. Um, but but Cincinnati's all kind of bit kind of always kind of been the other team that hasn't had great success along with you. So you've kind of felt a, a kinship with them in some way. But now it seems like we're reopening this can of worms where these two cities in the same state kind of get to dislike each other a little bit. And I like that it's happening already in just the training camp. Oh yeah, it's absurd, but it's also excellent. I mean, because if you get to that point where you're like, you stole my helmet, I mean, this is like a ridiculous thing to say, right? Especially for the Bengals. It's kind of like anytime the Ravens people chime in on anybody moving anywhere, you're like, maybe you guys should sit this one out. And this is probably one that the Bengals should sit out, right? Like stealing from the Browns. Hmm, the Browns are stealing from, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love that it's happening. I think it's great. It's such a, I, I love the pettiness of sports, right? Like, this is just wonderful. Like, you stole my white helmet, which is like, you know, Bengals stealing from the Browns in the past aside. It's an absurd thing to say. It, it would be like if I was like, I like white helmets. And you were like, I liked white helmets first. Like, I, they're white helmets. <laughs> like, there, there are a lot of them out there. It's okay. But, but I think it's awesome because, like you said, you know, I think the Bengals, there's always been some, like, sort of, like, low-level camaraderie almost between the Browns and, and Bengals fan bases and, and teams in recent years because they were the bottom dwellers and, and maybe not as successful and, and the rivalry, you know, there was never really much direct rivalry between the two, or at least there hasn't been for a very long time. So I think this is great because these are the two best teams in the division. I love it. Get petty. <laughs> Talking with Samantha Bunton, of course. You can follow her on Twitter at Samantha Bunton. Plain and simple, first, last name, you, you can figure it out. A um, lot of conversation this week and really in recent weeks just about the running back position and how devalued it is. And this isn't a new conversation, I don't think, either because, I mean, we've seen this coming. Every year we have conversations about, oh, well, do you need a top running back to win in the NFL? And I think we see team after team. You can go through recent Super Bowl teams and – Realize that a lot of them or most of them don't have these top paid guys. Um, I, what's the solution here? I, like I've thrown out some ideas where maybe running backs try to show off more of a wide receiver skill set in the combine and those types of things to sort of reclassify themselves as more than just running backs. But I don't know what the solution is to get the running back market back on par with maybe the money that they think they deserve. Yeah, I think from like a marketing perspective or like a self-promotion perspective, the position kind of needs a rebrand, <laughs> as mm, you're saying. And I like that. I'm not, not sure totally what the, the solution to that is. I mean, certainly showing that, that you are both a pass catcher and a, uh, a runner absolutely would help. But for the ones that aren't, or even, I don't know, we almost need something that they can do that's, I guess, off the field in a way, because once we get 
teams sort of entrenched in this mindset that we're just not paying running backs anymore. We're not doing it. We're going to point back at all these examples of bad contracts in recent history, like Zeke Elliott or Christian McCaffrey or whatever, uh, you know, Todd Gurley, take your pick and conveniently ignore, you know, the Nick Chubbs and the the Derrick Henrys of the world. And and there's certainly a very good argument that says that, well, elite players are always going to earn their money and and perhaps others who are not quite so elite uh, will disappoint. But, but yeah, I mean, there's gotta be a happy medium between like understanding that like, we don't necessarily just want to throw the checkbook at running backs, particularly on teams where they are not the central contributor to the offense, but also like, you know, we do need to, you can't just objectively not pay people either. And Saquon Barkley, you know, who has not really done himself any favors um, with his specific commentary on this, but he's also right that they should pay him. So we need a rebrand. I think that's where I'm at. We need a rebrand. Yeah. No, I like that terminology. It's a good way to put it. And again, falls in lines kind of with what I said, where maybe coming out of college, these players try to rebrand themselves as more than just running backs and show off their skill sets at the combine and their pro days and everything's like that. But yeah, we're definitely in a, in a weird time with the evolution of the position, and we'll see what certainly comes of it. But some great perspective, as always, from Samantha Bunton on that one as well. Uh, there was an interesting comment made by Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, um, who made some reference to the idea that maybe, just maybe, Bill Belichick a little bit on the hot seat. I would guess, I would kind of say... It feels like Belichick is on the hot seat to be on the hot seat, if that makes sense. Like, he's on the hot seat this year to start next year on the, yeah, if it doesn't work out, it might be time to move on from Bill Belichick. I just think he's got a longer lease than, than obviously most coaches for obvious reasons. What say you on the idea that Bill Belichick is he's getting a little bit hotter? Yeah, I'm with you. It's the on deck for the hot seat, maybe, or maybe That's even a way in to the put hole. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, there's got to be – I mean, I think we know, we learned from the, like, Garoppolo, Belichick, Tom Brady disaster that, like, Belichick is not completely invincible there in the way that we might have once thought. Um, But this is a a different situation. And I think, you know, giving Tom Brady what he wanted instead of giving Belichick what he wanted is, is a very different animal from, like, firing Bill Belichick. So I don't know. I don't know if you can. Can you fire Bill Belichick? I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm assuming that the way this would go would be the Tom Coughlin, like, we will allow you to resign, which to be fair, I could also see Belichick refusing to resign. Actually, I hope that happens because that would be funny. I would love <laughs> that would to see be what they awesome. Would do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, more to the point. Yeah. I, if Belichick is going to be, let's say, forced out, since we don't know what form this will take, um, I don't think it's going to be this year. You've got to have a longer leash for that. They were not that bad of a team a year ago, and I wouldn't think it would be this year unless it was Bill's decision. A few more minutes with Samantha Bunton here on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, Hard Knocks has taken a dip in recent years. I, I think really since the year the Browns were on, it was maybe the last year where you felt like there's some real intriguing, fun stuff that came out of it. The last couple of years have just kind of been very mid, as the kids are saying these days. Um, are you intrigued by this year's? Because this this is one that feels like there could be a little bit more juice than usual when you have Aaron Rodgers factored in. I think the fact that the Jets didn't really want to do hard knocks and now they're being forced to adds an interesting storyline as well. How glued will you be to watching in or watching and tuning into hard knocks this year? I, it's 
there's a part of me that like feels like this is like the the train wreck that you can't look away from, and there's also a part of me that wants <laughs> to run screaming from this. Um, I, I agree with you. I think for the most part, Hard Knocks has like jumped the shark. Um, it really has not been good since the Brown season, and that's you know even as a somewhat biased uh, person in that regard, um, who wants to of course see the Browns on there. I, I'm not sure. I think they've been putting out great content over the last couple of years, but. I, I would like it to stick around, so I wish it would get better, but I think that people have Aaron Rodgers fatigue. Um, mm. So I, there is a, a segment of the NFL fan base that I think will tune in to see whatever drama occurs because of that. And, and certainly I think that the situation the Jets are in, and particularly the, the big one for me is, is what you pointed out. This is what makes me interested in that can't look away from the, the train wreck kind of way is the fact that they didn't want to do it. Yeah. So I would like to see what, you know, being on an entertainment program against your will uh, <laughs> does to the content could be interesting. <laughs> How do you real quick as a follow up? Did you have you had a chance to watch the, the Netflix quarterback show yet? No, no. Well, oh, okay. I don't even know what this is. Oh, you don't um, you haven't heard about this. So you should I'm only like five episodes in myself, so I'm still getting caught up, too. But Netflix put out this show. It's called Quarterback. And it basically followed all last season. Patrick Mahomes, they basically did like tiers. They they did like an elite level quarterback in Mahomes. They did like a mid-level quarterback in Kirk Cousins. And then they did like a sort of not great, you know, flailing career quarterback in Marcus Mariota. And they followed them, like told their stories and how the season goes. And you see like the behind the scenes of how they prepare. I was just, I was going to see if you had seen it, how you thought that stacked up as like maybe a new counter to, um, uh, the hard knocks, but obviously it's a mood point now. But you should at least check it out because everyone keeps saying it's good. And from what I've seen, the first five episodes has been really good as well. I will. I mean, you had me at Kirk Cousins. As someone who has like somewhat of a trollish <laughs> interest in, in Kirk Cousins, I sort of love him. And part of what I love about him is that he's kind of a mess in some ways, but he's also good enough to where it's like entertaining when he's a mess. Yeah, so he's a weirdo. I would. One I the, will watch this. Yeah, one of the this first things. Kirk Cousins. One oh. of the first, exactly. One of the first things they cover is the weird, like very dad shirt that he wore at that one press conference, like the the mustard colored <laughs> shirt, and like, I know exactly the one. You yeah, need. <laughs> yeah. And his wife talks about how she basically picks his wardrobe for game days and stuff like that. Like it's the funniest thing ever. So that's like the first story. That that that's the tease. That's the only tease you need to be lured in is that they talk about Kirk Cousins' shirt like first episode. So there you go. Sold. I'm sold, Spencer. <laughs> You've sold me on this. When, when you get back from vacation and you have a chance to start diving back into football, I encourage you to check it out. And that's your uh, that's your lead in for it. So there you go. I hope I hope I sold you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Samantha Bunton, again, she does a tremendous job. She is taking time out of her vacation to join us. Senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. I always enjoy having her on. I am consider myself blessed that she was willing to give us time while on vacation to stop by tonight. I truly can't thank you enough. I don't know where you are on vacation. Hopefully not the Greenbrier, which is now being interrupted by the Browns at a nice little resort. But uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time off, and we'll definitely do this again as we get closer to the season and throughout. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, no, we're we're in Maine. We're we're nowhere near. Right, right. Get away <laughs> the from Browns football. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for having me, Spencer. I'll catch up with you again soon. No problem. Thank you, Samantha. Take care and enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks, Spencer. Great stuff. Yeah, I didn't know if she had seen seen the Netflix show yet. I knew she was on vacation. She made it sound like it was an extended one. Um, so I, I, I truly am grateful for the time, but I, I think I sold her on it with the Kirk Cousins yellow mustard shirt that they talk about. You watched the show yet, James? I have not. 
Are you going to watch it? Sell me on it. The the Kirk Custard's mu- Kirk Custard. <laughs> Kirk Custard. The Kirk Cousins mustard colored shirt wasn't oh. enough of a sell. Oh, add that with the contract controversy from Nick, baby. Oh my goodness. Um no, the mustard shirt is not doing it, but Um I'm here here's what I'll say. I was skeptical going in mm-hmm. that it was going to be that good. Like, I was like, oh, everyone keeps raving about this. And I feel like they're just raving about it because it's an NFL thing and it's football. And we don't have football right now. I was with you. But there are some elements of it that have, have been interesting to me, um, especially with Mahomes. I tell you what, I, jo- I joked earlier with a friend that this show should actually be called Patrick Mahomes and some other quarterbacks because it feels like they spent way more time talking about Patrick Mahomes than they do the other quarterbacks. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. You get a lot more behind the scenes. Like it goes from here's Patrick Mahomes at his post game press conference, and then all of a sudden it cuts to here he is putting like his daughter down for bed. Like you get a lot of the home life. You get a lot of this behind the scenes stuff. If you want to maybe try to open your uh, your 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 perspective to liking Brittany Mahomes, which I don't know that she necessarily comes off as like amazing in this, but people have their opinions about her. Maybe that's a, a sell for you. How many know. episodes through it are you? Also, Kirk Cousins is corny. And that is kind of a sell we, because it's funny to hear some of the just hear how corny he is. Like we all knew he was kind of corny, right? But you find out he's like extra corny. How many episodes have we gotten through so I'm far? I'm through five. I got through. How many I episodes got, uh, are available? There's eight. There's eight. When we come back, whenever I come here for off the beaten path, I'm gonna sell you on a show that you should go home and watch before you finish the next three. <laughs> I bet you I convince you of that before you convince me to watch the uh, Kirk Cousins in his mustard shirt with the Colonel. He's a weird dude, man. All right. We'll take a break. Appreciate Samantha Bundance time as always. Uh, when we get back, my uh, I give I give my perspective on the Guardians the rest of the way. Where I'm at with the Guardians the rest of the season when we get back here on the fan.